you're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Reticulation is a term that you'll hear thrown around now and then. It means the irrigation of plants using a net-like structure of pipes. And in this episode, we have a seasoned retic pro, Darren Senior, on to tell us all about it. He's the business owner of Garden Solutions, has written for the West Australian newspaper, and has also presented at the Perth Garden Festival many times. He's even been on the Garden Gurus. Welcome to the show, Darren. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So tell us a bit about your experience with plants and irrigation. My experience with plants it goes back uh, well, nearly 30 years now when I first left high school. I started working in a retail and wholesale nursery, so we did selling to the direct public, also selling wholesale to garden centres and landscapers and the like. And those plants obviously were reticulated in the, um, the wholesale situation, so I spent a fair bit of my early years in that nursery um, digging up and repairing pipes and sprinklers and working with valves and uh, rewiring controls, all that sort of thing. So I learned a, a lot of my early grounding was just hands-on, having to work things out and get things working again because it's a bit of an imperative in a nursery to have water operating at a reliable way. Oh, absolutely. So what are some of the signs for when you're looking at a plant that it is a little bit dry? Plants will talk to you. They will tell you when they're dry. And I'm often amazed that people don't spot them because the plants will change that the color of the leaves can change the leaves will start to wilt they'll start dropping leaves and they just look unwell compared to what they might have looked like when, when they were getting the sufficient irrigation so if you're being observant in your garden you will spot plants that are drying out pretty easily and if you get in early enough um, you can solve the problem fix your irrigation system and get your plants and keep them healthy without too much trouble absolutely yeah so how important is it to get the right plant, water and soil combination? It's very important. So your plants and soils obviously have to be compatible. It really is making a, a rod for your back if you're growing plants in the wrong type of soil. So you're going to be struggling to keep them looking healthy, growing. If they're edible plants, reducing uh, something you can eat from them. So getting that, that right combination of right plants in the right soil is really important. And equally with irrigation, uh, depending on what you're growing, the amount of water they require, the regularity of the water, how deeply that water is applied, all those sorts of things are, uh, are really, really important. And probably a classic example is citrus. The citrus are quite shallow-rooted. The roots that take up nutrients and moisture can be quite uh, close to the surface of the soil. So you need to be making sure you're giving the the tree water right out past its drip line and you know, soaking that, those top 300 mil of soil where those feeder roots are to keep the trees really, really healthy. Right. And what sort of a role does soil type play? Soil type is absolutely essential because plants evolve to do best in certain types of soil. So some plants will grow really well in alkaline soils. Uh, a lot of Western Australian natives in particular that have evolved on our coastal areas will do that. But a lot of other plants, particularly a lot of the exotics we like to grow, require acidic or at the very least neutral soil. And if your pH your soil, for instance, isn't correct for the type of plants you're growing, no matter what fertilisers you put on, the water you put on, the care you lavish on those plants, the nutrients they require just aren't available to them. They're locked up in the soil 
and they, they just can't take those nutrients up through their root system and provide a healthy nutrient basis for the plants to grow. So that's like very, very important. But also some plants don't mind heavy soils, clay soils. You know, things like silver birch have come from areas where they pretty much have wet feet 12 months a year. So they're happy in heavy soils, but you put them in a dry sandy soil that we have a lot over here in Perth, they don't do very well at all. So matching up the right soil types to your plants is just super important. And it's a lot easier to know what your soil type is and get plants to suit it rather than the other way around, like saying, I definitely want to grow this plant and now I'm going to amend my soil to make it possible when it's, like, it might be possible, but it can be very, very difficult. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree anymore. Right plant, right place. So we talked a little bit about soil types and we can also talk, like, potting mixes aren't necessarily always soil, are they? And they may have different properties. You may not necessarily have a clay potting mix. Oh, absolutely. Um, potting mixes are just that they're a, a growing media rather than a soil. And it's a really important thing. I, I think uh, a lot of people don't quite understand the, the difference between soils and potting medias. And I do see some really bad, generally rookie mistakes that people make with potting mixes. When they're potting plants up, they add a lot of stuff to the potting mix. They might add you know, some cow manures or some sands or something like that. And if you buy a good quality proper range potting mix that's been properly put together to provide you know, the right growing media for the plants that won't collapse and you know get too wet and not allow air into the potting mix. So if you use a top quality premium potting mix, you shouldn't really need to add anything to it. And having those, the difference between a premium potting mix, a budget potting mix, and making up a, a really dodgy home-based potting mix, the difference you can have in growth in those potted plants and the health is phenomenal. And that's um, something with my wholesale plant background. We constantly trialing different potting mixes, so we'd get, you know, say, forty plants, the exact same species, cutting grown plants, and pot them out into three different potting mixes just to see the difference we're getting health and growth rate and those sort of, sort of things and also getting a, a strong root system. And the difference sometimes just blew us away between potting mixes that we thought were doing a really good job and we'd, we'd trial a different potting mix and we'd be blown away about the, how much better the plants would grow. Absolutely. Can you give us a shout-out about maybe a couple of your favourite brands of potting mix? Well, over in WA, there's a family-run company called Bailey's that make a, an absolutely fantastic potting mix. I can't um, speak highly enough of them. I've, um, it's pretty much my go-to for any of my landscaping jobs. If I've got a pot plant for, for the clients, we tend to use the Bailey's one. Also, there's another small company over here called Good Earth that make um, a premium potting mix, and it's a great general-purpose potting mix. Uh, which is something people do get a little bit caught up with these specific potting mixes for specific plants. I find if you get a really good quality, general purpose premium potting mix, you can grow pretty much anything in it unless you're looking at really specialist lines. So Good Earth make a fantastic potting mix. Um, Debco make really good potting mixes. Pretty much any of those top of the range ones that you're paying $10 plus for a, a 20 to 30 litre bag, most of them are really, really good. When you're getting potting mix, at $3 a bag, they're being made to a price point rather than to a quality point. So they tend to not give you anywhere near as good as results as the, those brands that I've mentioned before. Thanks for those. So we've talked a little bit about the potting mixes and the soil types. This is all going to play into what we're now going to talk about now with reticulation. So can you tell us a little bit about what that means and what are some of your favorite systems? 
irrigation system for, for most homeowners and even when you're going to like more commercial setups, the idea is to apply enough water to the, the soil that will keep your plants really healthy without wasting any water. So it's about being effective and efficient, which I think are probably the two keywords we try and push when we're, we're dealing with irrigation. So the other key is also having um, a good understanding of application rates and having a quality plan designed up. It's not a matter of just like dotting sprinklers around and throwing water everywhere that you want the water to go. It's uh, really important, particularly garden and uh, lawn situations, to apply water evenly to all parts of the lawns and gardens so you're not having to run an irrigation system for longer to um, you know, to water areas that aren't quite getting enough water to, and you have other areas that are being overwatered. So a, a really good even precipitation rate is just critical. I'm a, a massive fan of Hunter products. Uh, pretty much over the years, I've, I've dabbled in different brands and you know, most of them are pretty good, but I now pretty much just use Hunter for all my things like pop-up sprinklers and valves and irrigation controllers because I just find that the quality to be absolutely you know top top of the range and when you're talking about irrigation materials getting really good quality products makes such a big difference to how well the system runs but also how much uh, it's required to maintain the system and good quality products are always easier to maintain uh, have less trouble so you're not replacing seals in, in pop-up sprinklers for example or, uh, or nozzles and those sort of things that regularly so getting good quality products makes a, a big difference oh absolutely so we talk about good quality products and I guess a good quality product is probably going to also be effective in the way of water, it's water management. Can you tell me a little bit about water-wise irrigation? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the, the big thing with the water-wise irrigation is that even watering, which I spoke about before, that's absolutely critical because you tend to, if you're not getting even watering, you waste a lot of water by overwatering other parts of the garden, but also the areas that you're underwatering, the plants or your lawns aren't thriving, they're not growing well, so that water's pretty much wasted as well. So a good quality irrigation controller makes a big difference. Over the last two years, I've gone totally over to smart controllers, so Wi-Fi enabled controllers, ones that will connect to the Wi-Fi system and then from there access all the information on the local weather stations for your the site that the controllers set up, so the, then the controllers will just adjust run times to suit the weather. So generally, what people do is they put in the maximum run time required for that state for a particular station. Just say, for example, it's a turf area; it's got standard pop-ups. It needs 15 minutes a run time to apply 10 ml of water, which is what we consider a standard drink. And they put that run time in. They put that in in you know early spring when they set their controller up. And they just run that from the whole time till we have a what they call the winter shutdown. And first of June, everyone's got to turn the irrigation systems off to the first of spring. So they just run that fifteen minutes on that station for their one or two, uh, their two or three water days a week, depending on whether they've got skiing or bore, for every week of the year that they're allowed to irrigate. And what these smart controllers do will access the weather information from our local weather stations and cut back the runtime automatically for you. So if the the weather's cooler, there's, um, you know, say the wind rate's down, evaporation rate's down, it might cut the runtime instead of being 15 minutes or cut it back to eight or something like that. And I've got systems that we've set up for the clients who have saved anything north of 50% of their water, water use, with their garden still looking exactly the same uh, and not having to lift a finger to do it. 
So the irrigation controller does everything for them. So they've been a, a great water-saving innovation that's taken pretty much existing technology and just used it in a really smart way. Yeah, that's awesome because, yeah, like you say, it's easy and you're also getting a more water-wise effect there. Yeah, and the other thing they can do, and there's a whole range of these uh, Wi-Fi-enabled controllers that they, they get feedback from the system. So they have, like, uh, able to uh, monitor the amount of current flowing to valve. So if you've got a, a valve that's the coils, just have, have it run and it coil dies, it will get a, a signal from that base of the coil, feedback from that coil, tell it it's no longer working, and it will send you a message and say, look, coils on this station, you have a short short on station three, and you know you need to check the wiring and maybe replace the coil. And the other thing, they can be uh, connected to flow meters, so they can the controller will be constantly monitoring how much water is travelling through the, the pipes to each station, It just basically in the litres per minute. And that way, if you get a broken sprinkler, the first thing that happens is you get a spike in water use on that station. Uh, most of these Wi-Fi-enabled controllers will shut that station down and then send you a message and say you've got a, a spike of water use on this station, and generally it means you've got to go out to that irrigation system and do a, do a repair. And so you can imagine for people who don't monitor their systems visually very well and they have a broken sprinkler that's coming on two or three times a week and just pouring water down the road and they don't really realise until other parts of the lawn or garden start to die. So, But they are great water-saving innovations. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As a maintenance gardener, I can tell you, sometimes you do accidentally hit a pipe. And if you've got a dodgy gardener who doesn't want to tell you about that, for that to be able to come up in the system is very advantageous. Absolutely. And also just when you're talking maintenance, irrigation systems need maintenance, uh, like any, anything with moving parts. And having the, to, to be able to use the, the apps for these controllers on your phone, it basically as a remote control, makes maintenance a lot easier as well. So you can cut down your maintenance hours and have much better results just by the simplicity of having that remote control unit built into your phone. Yeah, having it built into the phone is awesome. Yeah, I think probably 20 clients that have that we've installed Wi-Fi controllers for that I have them on a contractor account and I can just monitor their reaching systems for for them remotely. If they want the irrigation turned off for a couple of days, yeah, they might say, oh, we don't want the lawns coming on uh, tomorrow morning because we've got dry lawns. Yeah, they might be having a, a Christmas do or something like that. They just send me a text and say, oh, can we have the reaching off on the weekend for two days or something like that sort of thing. And I can do it for them remotely. They don't have to go to the controller most of my clients with Wi-Fi controllers would have never even opened the case on them. Hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Since we installed them, they might have gone and had a look when they first uh, installed them and then close them up, lock them up, and they never never need to open them again. So what are your favourite brands for the these smart irrigation systems? The one we use almost exclusively is the Hunter Pro HC. So they're an Australian and I actually think Western Australian-based uh, innovation where a guy who is basically a computer guy, computer nerd, developed the software for the uh, for this controller, the, the original software. He had some hardware built around it. Like the, the software was always really good. The hardware wasn't great. And then a few years of, um, of him doing the and battling along on his own, like he, he was getting some market share but not really great penetration. And then Hunter, who are a very big American-based um, irrigation company, bought him out. He now works for them. He he develops the software. Hunter have got a, you know decades of irrigation experience behind them. Built the hardware, so the hardware is now fantastic. 
and with the great software. And the good thing about these controllers, because they're connected to the um, the internet, the software constantly gets upgraded, you know, updated. So you're getting firmware updates quite regularly. So they become a bit smarter, a bit cleverer all the time. And uh, that, yeah, just a fantastic Australian-based um, innovation that we, we love using and our clients really, really love. Thanks so much for them because I think a lot of people out there, uh, yeah, they just want to know from a pro what the best recommendations are. I have looked at other Wi-Fi controllers and they're all, they're all pretty good and they all have their um, positives, but I just find the, the, that Hunter Pro actually is one we've ended up sticking with mainly because it's incredibly user-friendly and um, they're incredibly smart controllers. I think their, their software side of things is a long way ahead of the, the competition at the moment. So it's good in some ways because they, they are, I think, dragging the other irrigation companies along with them, which, <laughs> of course, for, well, it forces them also to keep innovating to stay ahead of, ahead of the pack. So from the, the first one of these type of controllers I installed about, I'm going to say about six or seven years ago to the ones I'm using now is just incredible it's like the difference between a you know the first model of iphone to the, the current one now it's, it's, it's that sort of a, a jump jump in quality it's a fantastic yeah so if any of our listeners out there have tried them in the past and they didn't work for them maybe now might be a good time to give them a go yeah well there have been a few sort of uh, knockoff type ones that have been floating around the internet that people i know bought i've had customers um, have ones that installed themselves and they're just horrible to use you know the the actual intricacies of using them are terrible the software and the apps that go with them are nowhere near as good and then they haven't been the, the hunter particularly one has been developed to for professionals so it's you know it's they've caught, professional irrigation people are very demanding about how these things work so they they're being developed to a much higher standard than a lot of the ones that, that have floated around and gone in and out of um, availability over the last five or six years are we talking about knockoffs that have a same brand or do you just mean just like, yeah, cheap? Yeah, cheap electronic companies that have pumped out, like just, just cheap, cheaper versions of um, Wi-Fi controllers. And there's a, there's a few of them around and I've had a look at a few of them and most of them are, are pretty average at best. Okay. Well, it's good to know the good one. Yep. Thank you. So what I want to know is how can a DIY person learn enough to maintain their own system? They can learn enough by when they buy their irrigation, rather going to a place that sells everything and also has a couple of aisles for retail. Go to a, a um, an irrigation specialist store in Perth. We've got a, a couple of chains of irrigation companies. Uh, there's Total Eden and Reese's Watershed and a few others like that, and they are a really good places to go to, to buy irrigation equipment and get really really good advice. We're also really lucky. There's some fantastic independent ones, but and a lot of them are run by by people who started as irrigation contractors. So if you go to see these people who are, who are really experts in the field, rather than going to a hardware store or you know, you know buying stuff cheap online, you'll get much better value products and you'll get really good advice. And most of the irrigation stores will produce a, a plan for you if you buy the materials off them. They give you the plan at no no charge. So you can get an idea, much better idea of how to lay the sprinklers out because the sprinkler layout is really, really important to, to an efficient system. And so going and seeing these type of people is, I reckon, the best way you can learn enough about the best way to go and pitfalls to, to avoid when setting up a, a DIY irrigation system. Because it is, um, for whatever reason, whether it's uh, a little bit too much like Lego, it's the one thing, the, um, <laughs> particularly the, the, the dad's, 
want to have a shot at is putting the irrigation in themselves. And generally, it's not the prettiest results because they go to a hardware store, pick things off the shelf that they like the look of, put them in and hook them up to a tap and then it doesn't really work very well. So going and seeing an expert, getting some some really good advice. There's always stuff on YouTube and the internet that you can read up and get better information from. But I think if you go to your local irrigation store, talk to the, the people who work there that know the irrigation components and know the best way to set up systems. They're always really um, you know, generous with their, their information expertise, and that's where I'd go. And at what point do you reckon that a DIY person should call in a pro? Generally, it depends what sort of difficulty they're having with their system. So, sometimes things like you know, dealing with the electronics on the controller, if they've got issues with the, with the wiring, if they've got valves that aren't um, firing up, they might need to do that. But I think for, for most things, if it's not something as straightforward as a broken sprinkler or just a, uh, a, a hole in a pipe or something like that, if they get a, a pro in straight away and get it fixed, generally like most guys that do irrigation repair work, they don't, they don't mind you watching them how, to see how to do some of these things because most of those guys, particularly during this time of the year, have more work than they can uh, keep up with anyhow. But you get a pro in early, get it fixed straight away, take note of what they said the problem was so you can maybe either avoid that problem coming up again or be able to fix it yourself uh, if, it, if it crops up in the future. But uh, get it in, get it fixed early because um, I, I do have come across a lot of people over the years who have had problems. They've spent countless weekends trying to fix them themselves. By the time they finally get someone in, the lawn or the garden's really suffered and they've really not saved themselves any money and they've probably caused themselves a fair bit of frustration and, you know, the garden's a lot worse for wear from it. So when you first get the problem, if it's not something you're confident with straight up, get somebody in. It's not going to cost you a million dollars and get it fixed and get the insight to what the issue was and how to avoid it or how to fix it in in the future. Totally. And that also goes for the building of the system as well because, I mean, if you try it yourself and you don't know what you're doing, you might end up making a lot more headaches for yourself and end up costing yourself a lot more money when someone actually comes in to fix it. This is true. Like we have over the years uh, pulled out a lot of irrigation systems that that clients have put in themselves and they would have spent a reasonable amount of money and a fair bit of time putting it in and got really poor results for it. You know, sometimes I I really do believe you're better off – pay somebody to do something and that you're not good at and then go and do something that you're good at to earn the money to pay them. I, I think it works out better for everybody mm-hmm. in the long run. Yep, you can't be a jack of all trades or a master of all trades anyway. No, this, this is true. So an irrigation is a it's a little bit trickier than, than people give it credit for. I think a lot of people think it's just a matter of hooking a few pipes up to the tap and away you go. But getting a system that, that works really well, that avoids a lot of the pitfalls that you could possibly come up against is uh, – yeah, worth spending the money on. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Are you a part of Irrigation Australia? I'm a member of Irrigation Australia. I'm also a, what we have, a program we have in WA called Waterwise Irrigators. So I'm a Waterwise Irrigator as well. So we've got um, things we have to do to keep our skill sets up to make sure we um, qualify to be Waterwise Irrigators. And we have to do systems to There's some reasonably strict parameters put on how we, we set up the systems and it was a, a WA-designed uh, program and it works really well and it does give people a bit of confidence that the person that they're employing to do the irrigation is confident and knows what they're doing. So 
I encourage any West Australian listeners to, to look for that WaterWise Irrigator, WaterWise Irrigation Shop and WaterWise Irrigation Designer logos there. It will give you a fair, fair degree of confidence that you're, you're going to get a good value for money. And I imagine that would have actually not only just, it's not just good for branding for the business as a business owner for you to sort of become involved with these sorts of things, but it also helps you with your own personal journey and your own learning. Can you tell me a little bit about how joining those organizations has helped you on your personal journey? When you join those organizations, you tend to, to mix with a lot of very professional people. I'm on the steering committee for the WaterWise Irrigation Program. So the guys I, I sit with on the steering committee are you know, absolute professionals in, in their field. Some of them do different types of irrigation. What I do, they might specialise in things like parks and gardens or broadacre irrigation. Um, other guys work in the, in the retail and wholesale irrigation field. So being part of those organisations, um, re- you obviously get a lot of material to read and articles get sent out to you regularly on email and on printed form and just reading what other professionals are doing and how they, the way they strive to, to get better and better and better is just a real impetus for, for myself and my business to, to keep improving on what we do. Like We have pretty high standards when we're doing our irrigation system that we want to be better than the, the guys that pretty much just drive around with a, a ute and yeah, going to the local hardware store to get rekit parts and, and as long as they've got water splashing around the backyard, they're happy. So we try and you know, aim for installing really good components, having really good design work for irrigation systems and being part of those organisations really does push you to, to keep improving, not rest on your laurels, um, looking for ways to make your systems um, easier to operate, easier to maintain. Something that a, a lot of... Um, more sort of run and middle irrigation contractors really don't give a lot of thought to irrigation maintenance and we come across a lot of systems that where clients have had issues with them and just something simple as changing out a valve instead of being a 30-minute job or 15-minute job becomes half a day because of the way that the system was installed in the first place. So those sort of things we get really, yeah, it really drives us to just be as absolutely good as we can be and constantly looking for ways that we can improve the way we set up our irrigation systems, way that we install them, and how we uh, interact with our clients to make those systems really work well for them too. I think that's awesome. What advances can you see in irrigation moving forward? Well, there's a couple I think um, uh, I talked about in in hushed tones around the irrigation system, uh, and probably the big one is irrigation valves that don't need wiring, so they'll, they'll operate through a um, some sort of Wi-Fi type system. There are Currently, cap timers and small-scale battery valves that you can operate off Bluetooth. You can, rather than having to lean down to the tap timer and program, you just program it on a, on a phone app. But I think that's a bit of a holy grail at the moment is um, doing away with, with the wiring between valves because um, it is a, one of the things that where you have damage or even you know, the, the cables do degrade over time, they get water into the into the sheets and they, they can corrode throughout. And so that would be an amazing thing if we could install valves and not having to wire them back to the controller, they just talk to each other over Wi-Fi or something like that. That would be a fantastic innovation. Yeah, I think that would be the big one. There, that All the irrigation companies are constantly working on, on better emitters, so the, the pop-up sprinklers, the gear drives, those sort of things to, so they um, apply water really get as evenly as possible. So that's um, something that's constantly being worked on, improved on. And yeah, I just think the controls will get smarter and smarter as well. It will be exciting to see all of that. We're coming to the close of the episode now, and I like to ask our guests, is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners about? 
That's an interesting one because I'm what what would I like to tell <laughs> Well, uh, it depends who I'm, I'm talking to. I know, like in in WA, I think, and probably uh, still based in Melbourne, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yep. Yeah, so and I, I'd say because I've got some good friends that I've through the industry out there, I would tell people if you're keen gardeners and um, interested in the horticulture industry to support to support your local independent garden centre as much as you possibly can. I think independent garden centres, ones that are still still going and still doing well in uh, Australia, have been incredibly innovative. The services they provide for their customers, the information base they provide for their customers, the quality of stock they provide is just fantastic. And they've had a lot to deal with over the last particularly 20 years. It's been a very tough time for independent garden centres. And I think if you can get out there and support the local independent garden centre that's often owner-operated, often employs a lot of people who have put years and years into the industry, and they often do quite a lot of training and provide the the horticulturists uh, of the future, get out there and find your local independent garden centre and support them. Couldn't agree more, Darren. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. Not a problem. Enjoyed it. There will be links in the show notes to some of the products that we've talked about in this episode, as well as to the Garden Solutions website. If you know someone who you think would be perfect for our show, send them to the contact section of our website where they can fill in a form and let us know what topic that they'd like to teach. We put out one episode a week, so make sure you're following us and also check out the educational blogs on our website. 